Are you still getting ghosted? Maybe they're walking right past you as if they don't see you. Or perhaps, my personal favorite, they've come up with every excuse as to why you guys can't be together even though you practically are. Well, see what had happened on season one was we thought we had done all the work, but perhaps there's a little bit more left to do. So here I am back for season two, your host, Justin Rain, ready to help you finesse through the stress in the land of fuckboys. So prepare to laugh, cry, possibly be triggered, but most importantly, I promise this season we're going to heal as we begin to address our fuckboy problems. Don't wanna be a player. I'm not a On today's episode of Fuckboy Problems, titled Mr. All Grown Up, I sit down with content creator and co-founder of The Black Chord, Jeremiah, all about the pressures of religion, making amends with those you've hurt in the past, and finding yourself by yourself. So, you guys know the rules. Sit back, relax, prepare to possibly be triggered, but most importantly, healed. Get ready, because Fuckboys in the News is coming up next. Good evening. Good evening. This, this is the news. Good evening. This is the news. Good evening. This is the news. Campaign between James and Phoebe really heating up now. Thanks. This is the fucking news. Is this the Krusty Krab? No! This is the fucking news. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome back to Fuckboys in the News. It's the portion of the show where if you're fucking up, homeboy, and you have no excuse for your actions, know that I'm going to call you out on them. And guess what? Some weeks that might even be myself. You guys have heard on this podcast, so you know I am not afraid of it. Let's get into this week's crew because, you know... Niggas just gonna be niggas. I'm gonna put it like that. First up on the list, we have none other than KD. If you know KD by his initials, the name is Kevin Durant. And that actually is where the issue starts today. A young lady by the name of Cash Doll, a female rapper, you know... You know, I'm sure you guys know her music. We've all heard it. You know, Bossa Nova by her is a cute little track. She has a few other good ones. You know, she's doing her little thing, up and coming rapper. You know, she just made a cute little tweet. All she wanted to do was mind her business the other day. She said, all these niggas want to fuck KD. That's all she said. If you know the song, you know... How these niggas want to fuck JT. Everybody knows that little rap line. It's been real cute. Kevin Durant decides to get on Al Gore's internet. Yes, I said Al Gore's internet. If you don't know the history, he actually started and founded and helped create the internet. He was in the military task force that did that. Fun fact for you today. Um, He decided to get on the internet and choose violence. And decided to insert himself in a black woman's business. And I just don't understand why his ego had to pop out like that. Fuck boy. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. And the even greater issue is you're a grown ass, like man with kids and stuff. Your mama are respectful. Would you talk to your mama like that? Let me just tell you what the man said. Maybe that's a better way to put it. He basically just told her that she needs to calm down with all the KD talk. Is really getting old and everybody knows that those initials are his and that he owns those two letters. Well, I'll be damned. If you own those letters, homeboy, 
you know, why not just handle it professionally? Send her a little letter. Find her if you want to, because I know you have it probably trademarked and copyrighted, and that's all great. But my issue is fuckboy. You know, for whatever reason, you just had to take away from the song. We all know the song. We all knew the point. I've never heard Cash Doll just running around talking about, I'm KD, I'm KD. She literally starts her tracks off, Cash Doll. So my thing is, my nigga, like, get the fuck out of your ego and get the fuck into your bag. I mean, you actually are in your bag. You could have just, like, played a video game. You could have ignored this. There was no reason. Like, in no way do I personally believe that Cash Doll was trying to clout chase. Like, by using this man's initials. She has her own clout on the internet at this point. She is a person who is a public figure and a celebrity in her own right no matter what level no matter what grade so I don't know why Kevin Durant felt the need to try to like diminish her light in that moment she was just trying to be cute and make a joke and her initials do work JT said JT okay KD my initials work for this to make it rhyme and go with the melody of the song like bruh go jack off bust a nut kiss your wife hug your mother I don't know but grow the fuck up next up on the list whoo we have an actual franchise, you all, yes, The Bachelor. At this point, it just needs to be taken off TV. Like, it has a history of being racially biased, in my opinion, and I'm going to stand and die on that hill. And it supports racist people. Like, how many how many black bachelors have we had? We've had our first male and our first female in the past year to two years. In The Bachelor's, I don't know how many years of history. How many black contestants does The Bachelor ever have? in any season like let's just call a spade a spade and at this point after the issue with Rachel Kirkinell with her you know trying to you know slide by about this shit that happened in 2018 ma so really you only had one year prior to you know we don't we're not even going to count 2020 because that was the year everybody grew up so you really only had one year between then and now that you claim you had this huge awakening and you grew I don't know about you and changing racist values but I don't believe they just they just disseminate in 12 months. Yes, you could have learned. Yes, you could have educated yourself, but it doesn't really seem like you're living any different than you were two years ago. And actually, when you were on The Bachelor, that probably was what? Six months ago? So really, you've had what? 18 months to grow, possibly. And also, this is a fun fact that I found out after the fact that I, when I featured Rachel, she actually was found on Facebook bullying and humiliating a friend for liking black men. Okay, new development as well that I want to add. Chris Harrison, the former host now, he actually went and sat down with Rachel Lindsay, former black bachelorette on the show, and tried to defend this girl's actions, tried to help be on the cleanup crew for the white bullshit, and tried to say, well, we shouldn't judge till we know the whole full story. And you know, people have parties like that all the time. So what about this is not clear that it was wrong and incorrect. And he's already talking about the things that are happening to her family, what they're going through, people looking up their voting records, because people, it's called due diligence, motherfucker. It's called due diligence. If now you have a propensity and have been associated with racist views, just like if you've been associated with violence, now people have a right to look into your past. You've been given a public platform to do and sell whatever she's going to do when she becomes an influencer after the show. So no, she should be called out. Her history should be researched just like anyone else. And if bitch, you're fucking up, you should be called out on it. And frankly, I feel like the fact that she's even in the top two, like this whole thing is just to cover it up and it's just terrible. And I think the show just needs to be canceled because in no way is it serving anyone. 
In no way is it serving anyone. It's not a body positive show. You don't see cute. You don't see people of all shapes, colors, and sizes. Everything about it is superficial. It's basically just Instagram on TV and who can be the hottest bitch that gets chosen. It's just a classy version of Are You The One and all those other degrading ass dating shows that are on MTV and all those other channels. And I think it should get the fuck out of the, like, like just the social world. I think it should just get the fuck out of like our whole world and our culture. Like, frankly, like it lived, it had its moments, let's appreciate it in, in the past how we can but let's just move on last on my list is none other than a recurring character that we always have on fuck boys in the news the boy called the baby now this fuck boy just does not seem to know how to process and use his words because he always wants to choose violence when he's enraged this week he is in the news because on a recent music video set he allegedly because i don't need you coming my way knocked out the whole tooth of a 64 year old man why are you punching out your grandpa? Like, come on, that's some bitch nigga shit. If you went back to the head and you're like, yeah, I punched this old ass white man who got osteoporosis and, you know, he can't even really rock white. Like, what the fuck? You don't even get, like, no cool points for that, bro. He punched out this white man because he was in the wrong and he didn't want to be called out about it. Let me give you further context. So, like I said, on this recent music video shoot, Part of the lease terms and part of local regulations right now, COVID-19 protocols, said you cannot have more than 12 people on set at a time. When the when the real estate, you know, space owner showed up to the set, there were 40. So he proceeded to, on his own property, shut down the music video. The baby did not like that, so he punched the man. You could not process your feelings. You did not like that, so you just decided to respond with anger and react with that instead of one, you could have used your words, you could have called your lawyer, you could have looked, you could have actually just told, what, I don't know, 28 people to leave and asked him, could you continue with your video shoot? You also could have, I don't know, staggered the people as they came. So it was 12 people at a time. There were so many other options. But no, you want to look cute in front of your hoes. You want to have a cute little viral moment probably on social media or whatever. Like, and now you look stupid and now you have what? Another court case. Dumb nigga. Fuck boy. Learn how to use your emotions. Learn how to use your words. Case close up. Up next, we have none other than my frat brother, my newfound friend, an amazing man with the story to tell, Jeremiah. So, without further ado, here's his story, you all. I don't know what to do, but to keep part two of my confessions. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to have my frat brother, a newfound friend from across the way that I never knew, but feel like I should have known a long time ago. <laughs> we have none other than Jeremiah. He is a content creator and co-founder of the Black Chord, which I have been paying attention and staying tuned ever <laughs> since you put me on and kept me hip. And even like your little like tweets and stuff, how you be letting people know how you feel about the day. Like y'all really have to get <laughs> y'all really have to get into the way Jeremiah be breaking shit down. Like it truly is a spectrum. But welcome to Fuckboy Problems. Oh, thank you, thank you, man. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Jay. Yeah, so today's episode is called Mr. All Grown Up. 
And just to give everybody a little context out there, me and Jeremiah had talked. He was like, I don't want to do the normal, typical, like, fuckboy story. Like, I want to talk about, like, my transition. I'm out of that place. Um, you know, I'm somewhere else. I'm higher. I'm trying to be on a higher frequency. But I can definitely tell you about um, sometimes when I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. But no, I thought that was a really important journey to tell. I mean, it's this podcast was birthed for me trying to not be a fuckboy anymore. So why not have another person's testimony inspire you as well? So let's just jump straight into it. Yeah, Go man. ahead and place us in the scene where you want to start. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I how you kind of like gave the context just then, you know, like I'm no longer a fuckboy. Now we all have a little percentage of fuckboy in this at all times. Like, let's just go ahead and put that out there. So I can say for sure. No perfection. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But I can say like the growth has been just like monumental since, you know, like going to particular stages in life. So um, my story uh, just starts um, back when I was in college. Um, I went to Valosa State, which is uh, essentially on the border uh, of Georgia and Florida. Um, While there, um, it was a really fun time, definitely had a fun time, but I'll take us to 2000, 2010, 2011. At this point in time, I'm a sophomore, junior in college. Um, I have a girlfriend. I'm obviously your frat brother, so I'm in a cap at the time. <laughs> um, she at the time, she was uh, Delta Sigma Theta. Um, I was in PhD president. She was president. Ooh, that tells a, that tells a whole like, story. Delta. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Got so it was it. a very okay. so it was mm. a very like public facing like couple. Like people literally called us the Obamas because <laughs> we was just like Not she was super involved. <laughs> Black she was super love, involved. Black people love the Obamas back during it. We had. To I mean, uh, we still do. Let's not play. We do. They're like they're like cultural icons. Whether or not you agree with like the policies and such, they are like black oh, culture. Yeah. They, they really like represent as well. But, if we had monarchs, they would be. They would oh, be yeah. our king and queen for sure. Yeah. <laughs> royalty. They are matter. royalty. <laughs> but yeah, so you dating this Delta? Yeah. So uh, as I was saying, you know, like so we were just like very just involved on campus. Um, and uh, for the sake of the story, um, we'll call her Brittany. Um, so um, Brittany, as I said, she's pretty involved. I myself was pretty involved. Um, we had a very, and if you're into astrology, I'm Aries, she's Sagittarius. Um, but there's one particular night, I mean, it's college. So college is time I was drinking like a lot. And then of course, being in frat, that didn't really help. Um, but there's one particular night uh, I was staying by her house. I think I went to a party that night and by the time I made it to her house after the party, I was like pretty like drunk. I was just went off into like a drunken slumber. And I can't remember exactly what had happened prior to then, but obviously something gave her like a suspicion that something was like going on on my end. So uh, like I was, um, while I was asleep, you know, it was like the classic, like she went through my phone and saw test messages and such. So imagine this scene where it had to be like, maybe 3.34 in the morning, mind you, like I, I had dozed off. So I was like in a drunken slumber. Mm. I'm woken up by essentially, I'm just like, I wake up disoriented and I just hear her just like screaming and like crying. And I hear her just like, she's essentially telling me to like, just 
like leave, but she couldn't even like really like gather herself. And she ends up like running out the room and like grabbing her keys and just like taking off. So eventually I see my phone. At that time I had one, I don't remember what type of phone it was, but it was one of the phones that you essentially would like flip up with your thumb so that the keyboard would be exposed. And my phone was like that way. So it was open and let me know like, okay, I didn't leave my phone that way. So obviously, so, mm -hmm. so I go to my phone and okay. So in the text messages, what she saw was she saw my text messages with uh, another guy. <laughs> so so mm -hmm. not only uh, from that was she able to really deduct that there was cheating going on. She's also able to deduct like, okay, he's also sleeping with men. Um, so once I figured out what happened, I just fell into this, this just mode of just like complete shame and just disgust. So before I pivot to myself and how I kind of um, like navigated those feelings, what mm -hmm. uh, Brittany actually ended up doing, she left and went to uh, one of her closest line sister's house. And that line sister actually was dating one of my closest LBs. So Brittany goes. Oh, to we're yeah. about to play. We're about to play telephone. <laughs> Man, <laughs> tell a friend, tell a hoe, tell a friend, tell everybody. So I was just like, oh man, I didn't. I didn't know at the time until uh, my LB calls me. So he calls me uh, the following. I don't remember if it was the following day or what, but he calls essentially just like, bro, what's going on? Like he's like. You know, Brittany, she came over and just like woke us up. And it's like, like how she was just like crying. And we said, bro, I thought something happened to you. Like, what's going on? Now, it was my suspicion that he already knew. Um, but obviously, he was wanting me to like come forward and like tell him, you know, exactly what was going on. And so it, it took a minute. But eventually, I just told him, like, well, um, this is what it is. Like, you know, I, I was sleeping. I'm a booty pirate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do not say that. Do not handle serious conversations like that with your cishet friends, people. But <laughs> for this point in time, I was essentially like, I mean, still like DL. When I initially pledged, it wasn't like I, I really saw myself as a straight man who was, of course, going to be married to a woman. With children, like I saw the ideal life. So um, it was just over time, especially the first time being out by myself, like temptations coming. And I was able to hold to myself for a while. <laughs> but um, man, it, it just, that's it. it it's okay. Me. It hit different. We know. It we know. Yeah. It hit, it hit yeah. different. We know. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, um, me coming to that place. Uh, this caused um, specifically Brittany so much, just like pain. And it was just like a really traumatic experience for her. Um, so now How do you I, navigate this conversation with your frat brother. So he comes to you, he's like, hey, yo. Yeah, so we had, so it had to be the, the following day because we had this conversation in person. Um, oh, we, were wow. actually, uh, we were in his truck. He had a white forerunner. We were in his truck just talking. And I essentially, like, I just remember I literally was just looking down at the floor of the car. Like, a, I, I, can't, I can't even, I don't even have the words to describe how heavy the shame, just the disgust I had with myself for multiple reasons, not just because I had really just hurt somebody who hadn't done nothing but good for and to me. 
but also just the fact of I'm still operating from a mindset of, you know, being gay is going to send me to hell. So I'm disgusted at the fact that, you know, I fell into the abomination, so to speak, at that point in time. Like I just felt just like worthless. And so we're having a conversation and, and he eventually had to just come just really be like, did you sleep with a guy? And I was just like, yeah, I did. It was a hard conversation, but he looked, he went to himself for a second. And he came back to me like, bro, like, no, I got you. He said, we gonna get through this. He said, but like, you're my brother, it don't even matter. So um, we we moved on, but after that, and it, it, it was just, it was a terrible time. But we take it back to just how I even ended up in this situation where I felt as if I couldn't, I had to suppress the entire side of me. Um, we can start back, I'll never forget um, my summer of after second grade, this point in time, after second grade, I'm seven or eight years old. Um, I also just moved in um, with uh, my parents. Um, now prior to then, I was living with my biological mother and ultimately I'm the oldest of six. Um, but while I was in the house with my biological mother, um, there was only me, uh, my sister and my brother. So it was us three. We hung, we were, we were three Trump type. It was a fun time, um, but also we were, uh, my mother had me as a freshman in high school and she moved out like soon as she had me. So we were in like pretty like rough area. And though, you know, I do definitely have like fun memories of the time that definitely were like things we experienced uh, that children just shouldn't be exposed to. Ultimately what ends up happening is that my grandmother who is a minister gets me to move in with my, my dad. Um, he actually was assistant pastor and youth pastor at his father's church, which is also the church that my grandmother, who was my mother's biological mother's mother, she's a minister at. So there's like a connection. Um, so I moved in with them. Um, so I go from this house of just like chaos and just fun with my siblings to now it's just me. And also in this house, you know, you know, they are pretty like, you know, devoted Christians. Like they really live by the word. So there's nothing but gospel. Um, there are any movies past PG. You may occasionally find a PG-13 movie that wasn't like cable and such because, you know, there was nothing really like good, so to speak, on TV. Um, so this is a completely different environment for me. And also, mind you, um, I was kind of like bouncing between my mother and grandmother's house. And I was mostly exposed, just like a whole bunch of women. So I had a lot of feminine energy around me. So um, this particular summer, uh, we took a, I was in the count, and we took a picture. And it was one of the Polaroid pictures that, you know, you had to like flap and then yeah, let you take, take it, it up. Yeah. yeah. So um, I get my picture and I go home to my folks. And, you know, like I'm still like, I had to have been there for like maybe half a year or so. So still like relatively like fresh. Um, and I go home, you know, just kind of like beaming. And I show them my picture, you know, and I'm inspecting them. Like, oh, yeah, that's nice, son. You know, da, 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 da. Yeah, so I give them the picture and their expressions was just like disapproving. Didn't really like get why. And I can't remember if we started the conversation then or they waited. But essentially, the picture, um, it was me standing like in the classroom. I'll never forget having like these blue jeans shorts and a Myrtle Beach, like baby blue shirt, and like palm trees and such. But the issue in the picture was that I had my hand out and my wrist bent, kind of like a woman in a very like feminine way. And, you know, of course, they peeped that. Um, so essentially, we sit down 
and we have a talk. And at seven, eight years old, however, I was, however old I was, um, they just asked me, like, mm, you know, do you like boys? <laughs> And I was like, oh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Right. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that means. Do I like boys? <laughs> like, they're cool on the playground. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're friends. Yeah, Brian, like, yeah, I mean, Brian, like, he a cool, he a cool partner, whatever, for games. But, I mean, but also prior to this time, like, I definitely, um, I definitely was, like, aware of feelings that I had um, when I mm-hmm. saw other boys. But also, like, I definitely like girls as well. But it wasn't, it was nothing that, that was so particularly poignant, like in my mind to really like be wondering about. Um, so it asked me a question and kind of similar to the same situation with my brother. Um, I, I, I never gave them an answer, but they knew essentially like what my answer was. And so from that conversation at that kitchen table, um, we just went to the conversation of, you know, well, um, being gay is a sin. Um, it's something that's going to send you to hell. It's an abomination. God speaks against it. The Bible speaks against it. But son, it's okay because we're going to teach you how to be a man. This is something that you're going to struggle with for your entire life. But that's just because God has a calling on your life. And I mean, of course, this conversation was a bit more like in depth and uh, had a lot more context to it. But essentially, that was like the bottom line. And that really like planted a seed of just like self-loathing, so to speak. Um, and from that, from that age up through middle school, high school, unfortunately, that led and it was like the top priority of our relationship as um, like parent and child. And what that again does is, especially for a child, it, it makes insecurity, insecurity, and and put. Just the level of just self-consciousness that you have is extremely unhealthy. And it's really crazy that you went through that. Cause I went through I went through something very similar. Like with my parents, it would be like, let's say like if I was at a dinner table, my dad would make me read the newspaper for his friends. And oh my gosh, if my voice or my tone or even it sounded too sexy, because this was when Martin was out and I only got to watch Martin at the barbershop because we couldn't watch it at home because that was too ghetto. <laughs> so I had a I had a father who didn't like his blackness. My father is biracial. Uh, oh, okay. so, yeah, so he had like internalized like racism. So like anything ghetto, anything too gay, anything, yeah, you could not do that. But no, I totally understand that. My parents were even worse. Like you only had like a few weeks to be on like praise dance or spiritual fingers or whatever that is. Like I would try to join all the different clubs at church. If it felt too gay, if it looked too gay, if I felt too gay in it, you had to quit the whole thing. Um, that really had kind of like detrimental just effects on our relationship for, for years coming. But um, just growing up, they really did teach me how to hold myself and how to like just maneuver the world as a, a masculine man. And um, what well, masculine young man. And of course, there were times, um, particularly in high school, especially, you know, in high school, you start getting your little muscle. You're not, you still might be skinny, but you're not as skinny. And, you know, some eyes start turning you away. Now, mind you, I never did anything with a guy until college, actually, until that situation in college. So I, you know, I kept myself um, really on like the straight and narrow. Come on, Chase. Um, yes. <laughs> Like I, I stifled, I, I had to stifle so much of my personality 
um, mm -hmm. whether it was in school, whether it was at home, because most of the time I would express myself just genuinely. It's Yes, it, it, it literally was. did not feel safe. <laughs> it, well, it wasn't safe. It usually was rebuked. So what does that do to me growing up in the household? It makes me really clam up and just really just go into myself um, pretty unhealthy ways. And um, essentially, like I stopped. I stopped emoting. Like I couldn't feel, I couldn't feel emotion. Um, and that's because of the layer of first of traumatic experiences that I, I had while I was with my biological mother. And then to now go into a completely different environment and now to be influenced in this entire new way that I wasn't expecting, like my emotions were just not there. Like I, I only could feel numb and that was all, that's all I had for people. So um, I was able to, you know, navigate through high school without having any quote unquote um incidents um i did get <laughs> that is what they used to call them incidents yeah. <laughs> did you have a moment now listen we had um this one time I, I did get like a few letters and because you know like of course people uh, like what my classmates you know letters people, yeah like from uh other guys oh from other guys okay yeah. i was yeah. like I was about to say, because I've got a letter from my own father. So, <laughs> yeah, my dad used to write, my dad used to write lists of things he wanted me to fix and change. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you go through this transition, you've had these experiences in this context, yeah. as far as like growing up, you know, with some very Christian and strict parents. So how do things with Brittany come to a close? You're walking back on campus. It's the first week back. When do you all finally speak? Because so, you've been at your frat brother's house. Where did mm -hmm. things start changing and shifting and moving for you? So I can't remember, um, like, uh, vividly how, of course, we essentially started back testing. Um, I think I had to, like, of course, I had to really, you know, do, do my I'm so sorry and everything else. Um, it took her, of course, understandably, some time to, like, you know, get back with me. But we ended up uh, meeting. Um, she actually came to my house. And we ended up... Um, meeting and just talking and you know, like it was just it was you can just feel the hurt um but from the conversation that conversation a few others after the fact uh, we essentially uh like got back together um which really led us down a path to just more more drama more hurt um because ultimately what ends up happening is i started to go back and forth between Brittany. And then we'll call this particular guy who was the was the guy at that time that um, uh, I slept with through a text message that she found out with. We'll call him Sean. So I literally was going back and forth. And also for with Sean, like I was also being, I won't say, well, yeah, I was being a particular level of trash because also with him, like I was doing, it's pretty known look. A uh, common occurrence in like the gay community where you'd be like, uh, you might talk to somebody who's supposedly straight. And be like, no, no, God, he he doesn't like this. Like I was doing that with Sean, but I was like genuinely, like I was genuinely there. And so like that's really, I was literally going back and forth between How Sean. Are you preaching to this man, but fucking him? <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? Didn't we say that that was fuckboyish? So that's what it was. All right, we know, we know, clear. <laughs> you would, you know what, uh, nigga, but, nigga. But so like he was like getting just like. Now he was getting frustrated as well. And he also was to the degree like also getting shitted on. Um and 
It was that lasted that back and forth lasted for like a, a year and a half, and it essentially gets to the point mm. where um, Brittany, um, me and her met. It was right after the New Year. I think it was 2013 or 12, but we met. And she had just got to a point where it's like, no, you know what? We just have to just cut all communication because anytime that we get together, we just naturally fall into roles of boyfriend, girlfriend. And like, like you got some things you need to figure out. <laughs> so the grace that she showed me, like even going back to me being super paranoid about, oh, did she tell all, her, all of her sisters? She told at that point in time, she literally told her one sister whose house she went to, um, and she really covered me in so many ways. Cause of course she was uh, just as aware of you know, like my image. She knew like, you know, like my background. Um, she had met my parents. She knew that they were like, um, like strict as far as like religious, um, but she didn't know like how like deep it went, especially as it pertains to like um, homosexuality. Like that wasn't, she didn't get that part of the story. Um, so there was definitely like a level of understanding and grace uh, from her part, but I, at that point in time, just wasn't strong enough to be able to say, like, you know, let me just be by myself to figure this out, because obviously, um, like, I'm everywhere right now. Like, let me figure it out. So I wasn't strong enough to do that, and unfortunately, we had a few more incidents, and eventually she had to be the one to be like, you know, let's just stop. And she so, caught you? She caught you a few more times? Uh, she catch. She didn't catch me. It was more like she just wasn't dumb. Yeah. Like, so she was like, "Wait, something fell off." God. Yeah. Like she just okay. wasn't dumb. Like that. That was just like the. She wasn't dumb. And um, you know, and like if you're a person, if you're a person, I don't know me. When I feel guilty, I feel like I tell off on myself. Because <laughs> I'm I'm kind of a goody two shoes in that way. Like it's it's not even like goody two shoes. It's like integrity. Like if something like fights like my internal like moral code and my internal integrity, I will go and just tell on myself and be like, you know what? I want to. I rather have the consequences because I don't even like how I feel about myself. Yeah, you feel like trash. I'm one of those type of people. Like I'll be like, you know what? Kill me, shoot me, hate me. I did this, but I'm also not gonna be no liar to you. Yes, man. But that's also like I'm one that kind of ways. Well, I mean, I can say it's now, but back then I, I wasn't. Oh, for I sure. wasn't even thinking like that. But Did back that's then, also he was lying down. <laughs> Hello, yeah. he was lying, making lies to cover the lies, driving around back through this street to make sure your car got seen and on that road. You, I was even when you got car caught, for that lie. Wait a minute now, <laughs> crazy bitch. Like it's it's just so crazy that so many times in life you have to go through just like the trenches to really see how so many things are connected into just like what your motivations are. Uh, how, how is it best for me to, what mindset do I need to be in to make the best decisions for myself? Because like making the best or better decisions for yourself usually has to come from a clear and balanced mindset. And I think that's so discounted um, by so many people. So if you are in a state, like we're taking like your, your scenario just then, if you are in a state of just like stress and you have this going on, you have that going on. Your decisions that you're going to make, whether we're talking oh, about no. and panic, anything, family, your, your decisions are going to be trash. You're not even going to be able to focus. And so many of us are just operating in like a perpetual sense of that, and are just not even not even really like conscious that we're operating like from that level, so to speak. But it's just like it's. 
I just, I wish that I had just like the mindset and the strength and just, just self-love to be able to take myself from that situation before I just continue to hurt both Brittany and Sean and then hurt myself. So uh, you and Brittany agree to disagree. You break up. Yeah, you yeah. are a super senior. You're wrapping up your senior. You graduate. What happens after you graduate? What so, does your healing happen? When do you start getting it together? Yeah, so after we uh, break up, essentially, really uh, kind of just went into myself and had to really just like deal with the quote unquote demon, so to speak. And in that time, I I didn't do like a coming out video or anything. I didn't go around saying, hey, I'm free now. But it literally was a mental, like mentality and mindset switch that clicked. And it didn't happen like um, as soon as like we cut off communication. It took some time for sure. But um, essentially, I just came to a consensus of like, look, you're not happy. You have no peace of mind. You're hurting other people. You're hurting yourself. Like, yes, you've been told this is demonic. It's a spirit you've got to fight. But like, it just seemed like it is what it is. Like, what you about to do? Your life is in your hands now. This is just, this ain't happening. Like, this ain't working for me. This ain't so, it. This ain't it. So it literally was just like a moment of time where I was alone just thinking and just really had to accept uh, myself. And for me, that was a really poignant time because uh, I think so often we hear um, the kind of like common opinion of, well, being gay is a choice. And my rebuttal to that each and every time is, I think that being gay isn't necessarily a choice because as far back as I can remember, just speaking for myself. I have I've cried, always, I have cried, I have bawled. I have, wanted, I have wished I've died. I have sat on the highway driving and pictured myself driving into a wall because it felt like it was easier than living. Is that the, the exact same, it was yeah. so many nights So for people out there who maybe don't know, I don't know, play this clip, play it for a friend. I don't know, but it's not a choice. So eventually, um, what ends up happening, once I made the decision, I kind of just naturally pulled away uh, from my family back home. I think because I was just uh, more so um, intimidated and just, I didn't know how to really like tell it to them. And which is, you know, many people say like, you don't owe anybody like explanation for who you are, which I definitely subscribe to that. However, um, even you know, through the times, the less desirable times that my parents, um, or even when we're talking about aunties, uncles, cousins, grandmother, um, these are people for my life anyway, who really um, invested in me and genuinely like love me. You know what I'm saying? And what ends up happening is my mother, she calls me, you know, it's like two something in the morning. So I'm thinking something's like wrong. Like, oh man, like, who died? So I pick up the phone and this is my biological mother that's calling me. So I pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, what's going on, Ma? It's like, hey, son. So, and just how she's talking, I can tell, okay, so not, something's not wrong. It may actually be the opposite. And she continues yeah, talking. Like like, something's on her mom. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. This, this lady tipsy. <laughs> so, she, tipsy. Sure <laughs> she was drunk. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> she was tipsy. But she's like, so, um, yeah, after you know, the little small talk, she's like, yeah, so, um, uh, why haven't I heard from you? I was like, I'm not super busy. I'm um, prepping to graduate and everything else. And I'm just, you know, I got this. So yeah, yeah, that's nice. But uh, why haven't I heard from you? Like, what's going on? Thing is, mama, mama knows. That's that was mm -hmm. that was the bottom line. Mama knows. She felt something had been going on. Mm -hmm. Your energy or whatever. Yeah. And like I alluded to, like trying to figure out 
how essentially I told her, but not really told her about like my sexuality. I was like, yeah, I was just trying to figure some things out as far as like me and just, you know, like the way I want to like live my life. And she's like, look, you tell me as much as you want to about your personal life. Say, I don't care about that. I just want to talk to my son. That's all I want. Say, you, your personal life, you let me in or however much you want to. That doesn't matter. I just want to talk to you. That's it. It's like, oh, word? Say less. And <laughs> so she gave me just like a really big boost and just like, she gave me a lot of great fuel to be able to really stand in it. So if we fast forward to continuing, so 2012, thir- 2012 was the year that me and Brittany like cut communication, January 2012. So we fast forward by this time I've uh, graduated college. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I graduated college, I moved to Atlanta. Uh, moving to Atlanta as a quote unquote newfound gay man is an experience, especially when you're from small rural town. So yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. So um, of course, uh, prior to then, the stigma I have aligned to us, you know, that's where all the gay guys are. You go there, be you know, be careful. You know, try you. you know, it's just a lot going on. A lot going on. But okay, well, I'm only going here. You know. Let's see about my next step as far as career, education, and then I'm moving on. It's only going to be a pit stop. Moved to Atlanta, and <laughs> like in a few months, end up, you know, started dating somebody, and then essentially we got into a relationship, which is like one of the one of the best things that ever happened to me. It was it was a really good choice. Um, but essentially, we end up after two years of us being in a relationship, we uh, mm-hmm. move in together, and my biological mother she comes up. Um, and visits me with my younger siblings. And, you know, we have a really good time. Um, my partner, you know, he met the family, well, my biological mother and biological side of my family. Everybody's just like so in love with him. Um, my mother, she pulls me aside. It's not during all this time, though. Know, me and my parents, we had started back talking. And our um, relationship had gotten like much better. But I hadn't come to them yet and said, you know, I decided to live my life as a gay man. I hadn't told them that yet. <laughs> But we, but we, we had to work on just like, bare, just like I guess beginning fundamentals of our communication because I also was like really reintroducing myself to them, so to speak. Like I, anyway, my biological mother she pulls me aside. She's like, okay, so um, have you told your parents? Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, said, no. So I'm thinking about how I can do so. She's like, okay, so. So you need to tell your parents that regardless of how they feel about it. So, you know, I know, you know, they're religious. So I know they may not agree, but like you need to tell them because somebody else is going to tell them if they haven't already. And they need to hear mm-hmm. from you before anyone else. And at this point in my life, like, you know, like I was posting my partner on social media and like, you know, I was pretty like free about it. And like, it wasn't anything that I was hiding. So it just made sense. Like if I would much rather me be one that they hear from, Versus them seeing the picture and just kind of like, wait a minute, like that would definitely just put another hole in our balloon that we've been working on for this relationship. So um, essentially, like after that talk with my mother, uh, I pulled myself together. <laughs> this, this is, uh, <laughs> at this point, this I pulled myself together. Listen, listen, guys, like, Listen, cause you know, like you really think that's like one of the biggest it is one of the biggest hurdles in your life. It's like oh, you say you have to psych yourself up for that. You do, you do. So um, 
send him a very long text message. At this point, we're in 2017. Great, great, wonderful year. So um, send him the text message. It's pretty like tedious, pretty wordy. Um, essentially just tells him like, you know, well, been in a relationship for two years now. We're actually living together. Um, I've never been happier. I know what you guys you know taught me growing up. Um, but like I like I really hurt a lot of people in trying to like suppress it. I've also like really suppressed so much of myself. And I said, and what you guys have been like experiencing this personality that you've been experiencing for these past three, four years is a result of me accepting myself. And so I, I definitely understand, you know, your beliefs and everything else. And I definitely respect them, but I can't operate in your beliefs. Essentially, I was like, it was very wordy, but that's essentially what it was. And um, my, uh, of my parents, my mother, she texted me back and was just like, no son, like we have just been praying for this, like a breakthrough in our relationship. And like, I thank you so much for this. Um, it was just gratitude from her. In her message, she was like, you know, we're just gonna need some time, you know, really just like, you know, accept it for ourselves and you know, please don't judge us. And with that, when she said that, I really, like, it wasn't an issue. I definitely gave them grace. So 2017, I reached out to Brittany. I can't remember how, I think maybe via text to have her phone number. I don't know, I don't know how, but I was able to get back up with her and essentially asked her to meet me at a coffee shop. Could we talk? And uh, she's down. So we um we meet and she comes and still just as graceful. You was ever we hug and everything else. And you know, yeah, we small talk, kind of catch up. But you know, of course we get into like the nitty-gritty and we're discussing, you know, like everything that happened with us. Um just and then everything that happened after the fact. Like I was like kind of selfish for my time. Like it was it I had to really me being able to even like step out and see how trash I was was like, okay. We need to do better for sure. So I had many things to like really um, like apologize to her about. And she asked like tough questions. She has to know about particular incidents. Like, so when you went here, like, what were you doing? And you know, I tell her like, okay, so I definitely remember that. So when I went yeah. here, this is what happened. Um, and you know, it was, it was a tough conversation. And she also, you know, she let me know, like, you know, it was, it really affected me. It still affects me, you know, like to this day. And like, that was something that's something that I just had to carry, you know. Um, of course, she carries a much heavier burden um, than I was carrying from the situation. But that's just, I had to really like take that in and let it soak. Because um, that's this is a situation that many uh, gay men and many women find themselves in. Um, you know, many men feel like, you know, they can't really be who they actually are. And, you know, they kind of follow, you know, what they feel like is expected of them. And, you know, they end up in a situation with a woman who doesn't, you know, deserve what it is that she's getting. Um, but the conversation went really well. We ended up being at the coffee shop for like three or four hours, just talking, talking, talking. Um, mm -hmm. It went really well. And it ended on very positive notes. That was most definitely one of the standout moments of 2017 for me. Uh, we don't really like communicate as much today. Um, like, you know, we get into our lives and everything else. Um, but I think I know from my end, I can't speak for Brittany, but from my end, I know it was definitely something that I needed to like sit in and really hear exactly how it affected her. And also it was just very beneficial for me to also feel like, you know, her forgiveness and her grace, especially in person. So um, that was just, 
that was a really big lesson in growing up. Um, growing up first, you know, first for myself and the people who I surround myself with to really be, you know, a full, genuine, transparent person, to be a good, a good partner, a good friend, good family member. Um, and also growing up as far as like really facing my, my parents and allowing the situation to be, you know, what it was. Let's say, you know, the situation still isn't perfect, um, but like I remain available. Um, and I'd much rather it be this way where, you know, like they're well aware of everything and they know my life is not stopping because you're not ready for it. Like my life has to go on. Um, so I take what I can right now. I feel as if for me, as much better than me feeling um, contempt and angry, um, a perpetual anger or just a chip on my shoulder and you know, trying to maneuver my life with that. So I like to, as I said, when we, as you kind of, um, said earlier when we first started like there's definitely um no we all have our little fuck boyness in the still but there's definitely <laughs> been like elevation yeah for sure okay so tell everybody out there where they can find you on social media before we move to the next portion of the show okay so you definitely have taken us on a journey mr all grown up i know right <laughs> we made it <laughs> on social media you can find me on twitter instagram as Jeremiah, uh, if you know how to spell Jeremiah, it's spelled the exact same way, except you replace the E's with O's. So it's J-O-R-O-M-I-A-H. Um, also, you will be very delighted and enlightened if you follow um, my blog, it's on Instagram. Um, I'm a co-founder of it, along with my homeboy Chad and my homegirl Yan. Um, it's called The Black Chord, T-H-A-B-L-A-C-K-C-O-R-D. Um, we essentially just attack and talk about anything having to do with Black culture. Um, we are always talking about you know, sexuality, um, humanity. Uh, we discuss anything that requires dialogue. So we talk about relationships and we make sure that the page stays a safe space. So we definitely like heavily guard our comment session when people are kind of coming in trying to give us anti-gay, anti-Black statements. Like we are really, really like just very uh, adamant about keeping the space safe. Um, and we, it's, it's definitely one of my, um, one of my, one of my outlets that I most definitely enjoy the most. Um, so definitely check that out if you're on Instagram. All right. Well, when we come right back, we'll have our fuck boy versus fucked up portion of the show. I couldn't help but wonder. 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 Are men just women with balls? This is a good time to vent, officially. Now in the great tradition of Paris is burning, the library is about to be open. Hey! Because reading is what? Fundamental. Fundamental. That's right, children. Mm -hmm. Now we are at the fuck boy versus fucked up portion of the show. Welcome back, Jeremiah. I already know he's gonna hurt. <laughs> he's gonna hurt this person's feelings, but I'm so oh, ready no. to hear about it. No, I think you're gonna spit some truths. I think you're definitely gonna educate. I think we're gonna, you know, deliver some people. That's the goal. I was so happy about this one. I was like, okay, no, this has to be for him. And the subject line, we're just gonna jump straight into it. The subject mm. line is fuck boy or boy fucked oh fuck boy or boy fucked what's the difference 
Wendy writes in and says, I'm tired of being told I'm a fuck boy or fuck girl for trying to move on. Kelvin and I dated on and off for a little over three years that felt like forever. The first three months of our relationship went great, but I think that's only because I was a fuckboy in disguise. I didn't know, nor did I want to accept all of who I was. The normal toxic BS that I was living. Oh, Wendy. Oh, Wendy is a guy. I thought Wendy was a girl. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, come on out. The normal toxic <laughs> masculinity BS. By the time things all caught up with me, we were nine months into dating and deep in love. For the next two years, we'd go through this vicious cycle of cheating, punishment, redemption, forgiveness, only to end once again with failed expectations on either end. The tables turned in our relationship at some point, and now looking back, I believe we never had a chance when I blew up our relationship in the beginning with my BS. After years of fighting to fire myself and grow past my own pain, I finally come to like the man that I'm becoming. Over time, I feel like Kevin, Kelvin and I were more comfortable in the lie than we actually were living together, rather than deal with the possibility of living life and our own truths apart. I've come to terms with the fact that my continuous reactive ass outbursts made it harder and harder for Kelvin to forgive me or even love me, love me wholeheartedly as I needed. I own that I've been a fuckboy, but now establishing any kind of intimacy past a fling or a hookup with someone new seems impossible in one way or another. Mm. Either I compare them to him, they remind me of him, or the worst outcome is he feels my energy shift and starts trying to actively interact again. Dude does so much. I literally feel guilty at times dating or even wanting to try to connect with someone new, even when I feel like I shouldn't which is so fucked up. Being a fuckboy was a response to me not loving myself nor knowing how I wanted to be loved. Am I being a fuckboy for even trying to move on if I know I still have him hanging around? It's not like we talk or fuck or even see each other for that matter, but I know he's always around. For a while, I felt like this was my karma, but now it just all feels fucked up. I almost feel trapped or confined to only these like these little short ass dating situations, which only further make me feel like my personal growth and evolution is being hindered. I don't know if I'll love anyone ever again the way that I loved Kelvin, but I honestly don't want to. At this point, I'd much rather just be happy with someone who accepts me completely instead. Justin Rain, your story stood out to me because I don't want to be a fuckboy no more either. But how do I even move on when this situation I'm in is really fucked up? Jesus, that's a situation there. Damn. It's a journey. It's a journey. It I'm sorry, Wendy. For I'm sorry, Wendy, for judging you and making you a man at first in my mind. Thank you for correcting me. Oh, so Wendy and Kelvin. Yes, Wendy and Kelvin. I want to. I want to make sure I characterize everything correctly. So what I got from what Wendy was saying was that. Calvin and Wendy are done at this point, but Wendy still seems to be harboring something from the situation that was Calvin. And Wendy seems to also pick up that Calvin seems to be kind of still receptive to a possibility of, I guess, additional bonds and kind of continuing the situation, so to speak. Although, the first go around was kind of tumultuous from understanding. It seems that Wendy was pretty introspective in being, in understanding that, I guess, his role 
in the situation and really like learning himself. So what I pick up from all of that, first thing that sticks out is Wendy doesn't seem to be completely over Calvin. Um, and once you start to attempt to date other people, you're complicating and basically intertwining feelings for something that's still kind of being held on to. Now, I, I, Wendy didn't say that he was still like leading Calvin on, um, which, would, which would be like kind of malicious and that would be like fuckboys for sure. What I think is that, and I know it's so hard to do, and I say this for myself as well, I definitely understand it. I always encourage people to please take the time to sit figuratively in solitude. Um, a quote that I just saw, actually just posted on the Black Horde um, this week, says that it's a shame that we're so quick to look for a soulmate before we actually get to understand our own souls. And it seems that Wendy kind of spoke to that and saying that I was doing like, you know, toxic shit um, when we first got together, et cetera, and, you know, doing this and that, which of course, Nobody is perfect and we all continue to grow and evolve. Even I, it doesn't matter what age you are, you're always gonna be growing. You're always gonna be prone to make mistakes. That's understandable. However, I personally believe there still is like a threshold of you getting just like a, a theoretical foundation of who you are. So it sounds like um, as far as Kelvin and Wendy are concerned, Wendy pulled out the course that eventually it was tumultuous because there was cheating but there's also forgiveness and there's redemption. Or like, you know how like when you do something wrong and you're like, are you be, and you're forgiving on a forgiving on a surface level, but that person really hasn't done the work to really let it go? Yeah. That's what it sounds like. When it comes to forgiveness, Kelvin and Wendy, it just sounds like it's a uh, okay, there's I think it's is there's some fuckboy in the situation, but it's also a fucked up situation this period because the thing is that we all go through our process of becoming who we are, your genuine self. And what I really commend Wendy on is being able to see himself as someone at that point in time who needed to, who needed just really to be a better person. And also own up to the fact that, you know, they seem to have hurt Calvin. But I think when it comes to things like cheating, uh, <clears throat> that's usually rooted in something else that isn't being fed in a relationship. It sounds like Wendy was really trying to find the foundation of his genuine self. And that's a process that does take time. It's very hard to do when you're also obligated to somebody else because any decision that you make for your life, you're considering your partner in. So, uh, Wendy, I won't call you a fuckboy because I'm. I mean, you heard my story. I'm Wendy sure. already said. Wendy already called himself a fuckboy. So I mean, I know it's true. You owned it. Well, I guess. But congratulations. I, I, I what? Well, <laughs> once upon a time, once upon a time, Wendy was a fuckboy. Once, once upon, upon a time, time, I was a hoe. Long ago. But now, like I don't. At this point in time, Wendy, I would say the only. Only place that we have room to say there's some fuckboyness going on is you admitting that you're not quite done with Calvin. Even though you guys are not seeing each other, you're not having sex and everything else, it seems as if he's still pretty evident in how you operate. And what you're going to eventually end up doing is not only continuing to probably relapse yourself because you're kind of tangling yourself up with other people, but you're going to also 
start to hurt those other people and with maybe leading them on with like, because typically, I'm not sure what age you are, but at this age that like I am, people are in dating just for fun. Like they, they looking for their person. And the thing is, I, I, I tell, I tell anytime I come across someone who's single and they're ready, they say they're ready for a relationship and I'm like, oh man, no, I'm just ready at this point. I always say, listen, while you're single, take your time and focus on yourself. Well, it's just, it's just number one, beneficial to you. Your life will continue to elevate, 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 elevate. But secondly, once you get into a relationship, every decision you make, if for most, for most relationships, we'll say no relationship is, is the same. For most relationships, every decision you make, you're going to consider your partner. So don't be with me if you don't consider me. Listen, I've told listen. this to a person straight to you, that choice did not consider me. You thought about how that made you feel, how you were going to feel about that. Don't do it again. Listen, that that is just that's just real. Like, but the thing is, for us to get to a point that we really truly understand at least who we are, as well as how we operate and the things that we need to know what you need. First, you have to know who you are to know who you are. You have to really be alone without influence or imprint for anyone else in your immediate vicinity. And many of us are pretty afraid to do that. I mean, of course, now that's not saying that if you're if you're not in a relationship, you can't go and have, you know, like you know, some fun sets here. I mean, you're you're a man or a woman. Like you have fun, do what you do. But when it comes to the intent of dating someone and getting emotionally involved, that's a completely different playing field. So I would say, Wendy, the situation is fucked up. Your life is in your possession. And you want to make decisions that are going to give you some type of peace of mind. And right now, it doesn't seem like you're really like at peace with what it is that you have going on. So as I say, like, yes, you can have your fun if it is just fun. But if you're leading people on while you know you still have these particular feelings for Calvin, that's only going to add more shit to your pile. Take your time. And even if you are dealing with people, let them know up front, like, look, I'm not looking for anything. This is just what it is. Go. And you know what that does? That frees you. Because the thing is, people still will attach themselves to you, even if you say that to them. But that has will try. you. Yeah, it has nothing to do with you. Just as, I, just as we said earlier, like, Calvin, even though you've apologized for everything else and he still feels away, like, that's, that's a large part of him having to deal with that. Like, you've done your part. You got to let that be. But as I say, you know, it's up to you whether or not you want to close you, but you're going to have to be strong. If you don't want to fall back into a cycle, um, but also, as I said, even if you do continue to like deal with anybody else, just be very upfront, very transparent about what it is. And as I said, people still will likely try to attach themselves and fall into to particular patterns of cycles with you. When you see it, talk about it real quick and let it be what it is. Like, mm, no, I'm not interested in this. This is, this is just that. This is just sex. This is just fun. I'm not doing anything else. It's people and people don't mind being second fiddle either. So oh, there's some somebody will say yes. Um, I agree with you. It also sounds like you definitely clearly have an attachment to Calvin. We that's that's apparent, which I think anybody would have an attachment to somebody who they've been with that long. Um, to me, and what I can only say is from personal experience and recently, um, it sounds more like you're kind of mourning the relationship, which that is a part of, you know, breakups. You know, you can also love the idea of a person. I made I made mistakes and like I've mourned the idea of the relationship as I experienced it, as I tried to tell myself it went. 
sometimes we can attach ourselves to these like moments. Tracy Ellis Ross, she talks about this. I feel like I talked about this last episode too. She talks about she seeks joy instead of happiness because happiness are like these fleeting moments that disappear and she seeks joy because it's internal. You could just be sad that something you tried to do failed. And you can just be mourning the fact that you failed at this thing, or you could just be holding on to the fact that you're like, no, I'm determined to get this right. Some people can be that stubborn and you don't know when to let it go. And like you said, if you're not keeping it, if you're not keeping it transparent with these new people, these hookups, whatever, then you are instantly putting yourself back into this old place of being a fuck boy, in my opinion. And um, as far as like the ex that still lingers around, you will keep self-sabotaging if you don't manage and deal with those feelings and wrap them up and be at peace with them. Because that's really the place you need to get to. What is your final answer? What is your final opinion on whatever that situation is? I think if you find like you've done a lot of work introspectively, I would tell you to take a year. You was with them three years. I was told to take you half the time y'all was together. (laughs) um i think you need to take some time one like like jeremiah said you need to really like get you together because you have to figure out who you are again as a single person and that is different and it's like a person who was in a lot yeah a routine will always help even if you don't like it giving yourself a routine in the beginning will give yourself something to do with that idle time instead of getting on an app instead of talking to somebody that you don't need to just to make just to wait till it feels like your bedtime so channel that energy somewhere yeah channel that energy into something for you on a project something creative Make it all for you, though. Make it for you, because if it's for you, then you're gonna you'll be that much more motivated to do it. But yeah, and you find yourself in there. Yeah, you probably need to block them. No, that would be my (laughs) suggestion. You probably need to block it. Like if you really know you don't want to be with Kelvin, you need to block Kelvin, or you need to have a conversation with Kelvin and be like, hey. Um, you know, every time we go through this cycle, it like puts me back in this place. Like you need to level set and let them know how like this like sporadic interaction or whatever that you all are having that encourages you to keep feeling guilty. Like you need to do whatever you need to do with him and have a conversation to release yourself of that guilt, whether that is telling him, hey, you we're not going to get back together anymore. So let's shift the dynamic of our relationship or like I need some space or you can block him if you don't feel like y'all need to have a conversation. Or you can keep living how you live and stressed out. I mean, aside from like, you know, dating actively, you seem like you're well aware and you like, I, you're going to do well. I just say, of course, focus on you and exercise boundaries with the people that you're entertaining. If that's what you're going to do. You have to just you protect yourself. That's what it's actually doing. You're protecting yourself and your energy because right now, you're, you're pretty vulnerable. So protect yourself because it, they're not worth it right now. Hey, how about we listen to a little bit of music? Bro. How did you know? I love this song. We are back at the song of the week portion of the show. I'm so excited to have Jeremiah here. Jeremiah, when you follow him <laughs> online, <laughs> he's cooling in the side of the pillow. So tell us today on Mr. All Grown Up, what is your song of the week this week? Yeah, so my song that I brought for us this week 
It's called Talking to God. And it's by a rapper. His name is uh, Deontay Hitchcock, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, he's not a gospel rapper. I'm pretty sure he's a secular rapper. But the song is pretty, uh, it really resonates with me. For one, he samples um, the Karen the Clark sisters song, um, is my living in vain. So that's playing in the background. And he's just like, okay. and he's just, and, but he's talking about just like real shit. So he's talking about in ways he messed up. Um, he refers to a time that he had a girlfriend who was in the hospital dying and he didn't go see her because he had to go do work and such. And how he like lives with that guilt. He talks about um, how he's been wronged by other people. And it's, it's, the song is just like so moving. Um, and it's just like, it's, it's just a great song. So y'all definitely check it out. Yeah, it's definitely like one of my top songs right now. Well, there you go. Talking to God by Deontay Hitchcock on Fuckboy Radio. Hey. I got on there and realized that all them niggas that I feel was clowns. Plot twist like who the Mandarin now. Talking to God, feeling like I'm talking to clouds. Throwing shots the only time they told me reach for the sky. Hey, we was here before Columbus, but they teaching a lie. Don't even have to clip our wings, won't believe we can fly. Talking to God. Yeah. Come on, make me believe what you're saying. Can we waken this up a little? Well, yeah, if you think you can. Okay. Deanna. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go All right, and now we are at our fuckboy fix. You know what it is. Everybody out there is my favorite part of the show every single week because it's where, you know, you really start to get your homework. You get your tools. You get your self-care tips. You really get some applicable things that you can take and walk away with an applause to your life. Not to say that the advice you got early in the episode isn't applicable, but this was a big part of why... I wanted this in the show. I wanted you to be able to take something away every single episode and be able to use it. So, Jeremiah, I'm going to throw it over to you. What is your fuckboy fix for the week? Um, it was said by Mark Twain, also David Foster Wallace. But it says, you wouldn't worry so much about what other people think of you if you knew how seldom they do. Um, and that really just resonates with me, especially um, being like coming out you know, as a gay man, you're super self-conscious about what people are thinking. And people don't have time really to even care. Even when they talk about you, even if it is like gossip or anything else, people are always going to be people and they just need something to talk about. But at the end of the day, people really don't care. There's so much into their own lives. They just need something to talk about. Don't take it personally. Move on. Because regardless, if you do what you want to do, if you do what they want you to do, they're still going to be talking about you. <laughs> so that's my quote of the week. Bam. Bam. All right. All right. Thank you so much for making time to be on the show. Tell everybody one more time how they can find you out there on social media. Tell everybody about the Black Chord. Yes, yes. So the Black Chord is my is my blog guy. I was gonna say co-host, but I co-founded with my homeboy Chad. Um, you can find it on Instagram at the Black Chord. 
the is spelled T-H-A. I know it's very black, but T-H-A. It's a black, it's a black thing, isn't it? I mean, that's the point. That was the point of it, you know? Hello, I like it. <laughs> but it's T-H-A-B-L-A-C-K-C-O-R-D. Um, C is for culture, O is for ology. So we talk about, you know, things related to mental health, um, any type of science. That's more so like my specialty. R is for rhythm and reality. So um, Chad, he's, he um, went to school, studied mass media. So he knows, he knows why artists may have released something in November because they wanted to catch the Grammy deadline uh, nominations by February. Like he knows all that stuff. So that's where he kind of like really dwells in. And D is for dialogues. We, uh, we have a lot of discussions about sexuality, about black issues, social issues. Um, and we keep it, as I said, like a safe space for us to have um, great dialogue in a public, I guess, like domain. So check us out on the Black Chord. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram personally um, at Joromiah, spelled J-O-R-O-M-I-H. And check me out. All right. Well, this is Mr. All Grown Up. I think he's doing pretty good. I like and, to think so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think you're doing pretty great. And until next time, bye, fuck boys. Later, y'all. <laughs> That's all, folks. Thank you again for listening to today's podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, rate it, and share with a friend wherever you are listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore FBProbs, F-B-P-R-O-B-S. And please make sure to add our playlists on Spotify and Apple Music. And if you got fuckboy problems, please email us at fbprobs at justinrain.com. That's F-B-P-R-O-B-S at Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, Rain, R-A-Y-N-E.com. See you next episode, fuckboys. Hey,